do Charlie Rose again? <laughs> Tonight on Charlie Rose, we have uh, with us here a very, uh, you know, uh, distinguished individual. Very tired, very tired individual. Distinguished by his uh, brow bone, uh, the the hair slicked back into his uh, the the cans. That's what they call the earphones nowadays, the headphones, if you will. Uh, he's got glasses. The nose of a of a, a lightly Hasidic man. Thank you, Charlie. Happy to be here. <laughs> I, I didn't know where to go. I don't know how. I've never actually watched Charlie Rose. I have no. Yeah, I was going to say it seems like you've never watched no. Charlie Rose because that doesn't sound like Charlie Rose. They don't introduce the show that way. They just start with questions. Uh, he usually does do an introduction for his guests, but it's not quite so dramatic. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Th- I've been learning that I don't know things about the world. Oh, really? <laughs> You've been learning about what you don't know. I've been learning that I'm like... That's interesting. I didn't know you could learn about what you didn't know. Well, you learn about the gaps. You learn <laughs> You learn what's not there. You you go, I don't have a source reference for that. And you go, should I? And then you go, I don't know. How much extra room we got up there? And then you you shake out the, shake out the cabinets and you go, mm, we're going to have to throw some stuff away if we're going to put some new information in here. It's like, oh, but I... I love knowing the words to like a Weezer song that I've listened to twice. <laughs> yeah. You know, when it comes to Charlie Rose, you should get into him. He's a good interviewer. Didn't he get matued? Yeah, I think he's off the scene now, but vintage Charlie Rose on YouTube. I think it's he's always also a good dead. time. Is he dead? I don't know. I don't think he's dead. He seems like he would be dead. Maybe. He, he's been 65 for 30 years. Yeah, he's one of those people. Isn't Larry King dead? You might be thinking of him. Larry King just died recently. I think Larry King died recently, like eight years ago. Oh, fuck. No, no. I feel like Larry King died in like 2011. Three years 2014 ago. 2014, maybe. Three years ago. Really? I'm going with three. All right. Well, anyway. What's the over-under? Don't know. Don't care. Maybe we'll yeah, get Charlie into Charlie Rose isn't bad. He's good for uh, cultural people. He's good for authors, artists. Mm. We watched that Frank Stella <clears throat> Charlie Rose yeah. the other night. Yeah. I was trying to get the gravelly, like, we're getting there with the introducing and... Uh, but then I don't know. I can't get his cadence when he's like trying to get. Yeah, jerky. it's hard. I have it in my head, but I'm not good at impressions. I feel like Charlie Rose is always very deliberate and sort of slow in his questions. He's just southern. He's not mentally deficient. Is he southern? Like I don't. Need, I don't think of him as having an accent. He has Charlie. an accent. He does. It's at least like mid Atlantic. Okay, maybe I don't know, but he's got that like news broadcaster. The sort Cronkite of tone. Yeah. yeah, they all had that like Cronkite like. Today on the evening news, JFK was shot. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. it's that if artificial. If you believe all of that mumbo jumbo. Yeah, but Charlie Rose doesn't have as much of that, is what I'm saying. He's a little more conversational. But he has that jaw. His jaw is a little loose, mm-hmm. you know, in that kind of way where things roll and there's a little bit of a draw. Right. So, like, he can hold questions longer. Yeah, he's always, like, leaning forward across the table. He's always mm-hmm. very focused. Or at least he's acting like it I when he's interviewing some someone. He's, look, he's trying to read that teleprompter to figure out which question he's going to pull. I think, cards? Reads, I think he reads off cards. I don't think he uses a prompter. Who is the guy at the act, uh, actor circle? Inside the actor's studio? That's uh, uh, Lipton. James, James Lipton. Lipton. Yeah. What happened to him? He died? I don't know. I think he might still be alive. Is he just really old? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, maybe not. I have no idea. See, I never watched Inside the Actor's Studio. Oh, That's see, one that I missed. I'm here for those. Those are the most awkward interviews in the world. Where would you catch that? Was that like a PBS thing? It back was in on the day? Bravo. What? I believe so. Inside the actors or AMC or some bullshit. But I think it was Bravo and AMC, like the upper cable channels. 
okay, did it land there eventually? Because I feel like that must have been a public access no. prior to cable situation. No, because that's run by like the Producers Guild or whatever. Like Hollywood runs that show, and then they just plop it on one of the networks oh, of cable. Okay, okay. But you were saying there were awkward interviews? He's like a little like troll man. He's got like, you know, scoliosis and is like, let me ask some weird questions. Uh, when was, you know, when did you last cry? Right. You know. Yeah. And yeah, they're yeah. like, well, I was just doing a role, you know, as whatever the fuck. I was, you know, I'm Angelina Jolie. I was just in the Eternals and I had to really feel something when the alien CGI licked my, my face. Right, right. You know. Yeah. All of those shows would be great jobs to have as a host because truly you're just there to let the person ramble. Like, I remember watching a Charlie Rose with Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. And I think Charlie Rose might have asked three questions in the whole hour. And it was just Tarantino monologuing for 25 minutes at a time. Sounds so familiar. You know? Uh, but, <laughs> but if I, only. If only I was allowed to do that. 25 on minutes. Oh, boy. No, he, he usually does the th- Like, uh, James Lipton will do the thing of, uh-huh. Uh, and then what about that? He'll do the, he does the and then and just like, he's go, he goes, no, 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 exhaust the story. Let's see how good of a storyteller you are. The inverse dude wears my car. Correct. That's, I've been doing that a lot. And then, <laughs> yeah, what's the and then? Doing that a lot. I don't know why. I like, I'm just like, I've been very uh, dissatisfied by like, this is my thing. I'm like, okay, what and what? Like, no, but this is it. I'm like. Just in general, uh, you're saying with yeah. customers, what is this about? What do you mean with like, your th- with, with their anyone thing? has like a point in like either a conversation or like, oh, I did this because of this. Like employees or like you read an artist thing and you're like, oh, I did this because this. I'm like, no, hey, what? Or like a review where you're just like, the colors made me feel great. I'm like, okay, I've had a concussion maybe and know what that is. Uh, what? Get you're talking to- about like some synesthesia. I'm losing you. Oh, no, I'm just getting, you know, when you're dissatisfied with like someone trying to prove a point, if you're like reading a criticism of something like a, you know, a review or something like that. And they're like, this is my point. And you're like, that's not really a point. What's the next thing? Try again. It's just a statement. It's not really a point that requires elaboration. It's a description of a thing that you're like, yes, you did take pictures and put it in your article as well. Right. I can see them. There's no need to state that. Yes, correct. Please explain your motivations for your why intentions. you care. Yeah, yeah. Give I me see. something. Give me. Give me an and then. And then. And then. No and then. No. Most of the time, <laughs> the problem is no and then. And I go, okay. So this is just like an empty pit from hell. I like. I. I, I think that's kind of like most culture at this point. Yeah, I don't really know what to tell you on that front, man. I think you. One thing would be just don't read things that make you angry. You know. Like, I don't even remember the last time I've read an art review outside of the Jasper Johns show. I, I don't go read, seeking them yeah. out. You know what I mean? Because you know what you're going to get for the most part. Sometimes they just fall across your timelines. Okay. And you go, oh, I have to get into this gig and just, like, see what the words are. And you're like, oh, the words don't make sense. Oh, no. Um, or, like, you know, I don't like to watch movies, so I'll just read the spoilers and then people reacting. And I'm like, it doesn't seem that bad. You know, I've picked that up from you now. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what's uh, maybe it's because I don't go to the movies as frequently as I used to. And I'm just not interested in the popular cinema of our day. It all seems bad on the face of it. Mm. Kind of like what you're saying with people just making really lame statements about their work. I see a trailer for something and I'm like, yeah, I kind of get it. I don't know. I, I haven't maybe except for pig. I don't think I've been intrigued by a movie in a long time. But so I picked up from you spoiling them for myself i've been doing this with all the marvel movies if now. it's like a big pop thing you're just like i could save myself what 
30 bucks. Yeah. 30 bucks in three hours of my life that I can get back. Well, and also, like, you're watching an entire presentation really for one or two key scenes, and I just want to know what those are. I don't want to waste my time. Maybe. But do you even, like, need those two key scenes? Because it's not an atmospheric... Like, uh, uh, an MCU movie is not an atmospheric, like, let me feel ways about, you know... No, the it's universe. so formulaic. You know exactly what the tone and the feel of the thing is going to be. It's just going to have characters you have or haven't seen before. You're just like, give me the exposition. What happened yeah. here? Yeah, like, that's happened? when you want the description. And then just like, was it, you know, done well? And then when people are like, well, it's a little murky. I'm like, that's not a good enough word. Right. I hate murky. Well, it's, it, it murky is murky. It's very unspecific. It's unspecific and it's a, a little lazy because it's like, you know what are what are your expectations that it's falling short of like what what's not crystallizing explain what's not crystallizing to you and then instead of just going like eh, it's a little jumbled i'm like what do you want resolved tell me what you want resolved that you didn't get as catharsis in your three-act structure please yeah okay that's a fair enough point sure like it, it gets me a little itchy that's a, that's more accurate it makes me itchy because I'm like, mm, you didn't do the thing. It isn't itchy just a synonym for murky? Because you're doing the same thing that the descriptor murky does right now when you're saying it makes me itchy. Well, what does that mean? It makes me itchy because I described what I want. I want them to crystallize the, okay. the things and then I don't get it. And then I go, oh, fucking Christ, you didn't do the thing. You didn't do your job. Do your germs. <laughs> <laughs> they took our germs. They're taking our germs. <laughs> um, the internet took our germs. Um... You know, it kind of goes back to like the the uh, David Sally podcast, yeah, interview, where he's like, you know, in the age of the internet, smug in Long Island, like, you know, they're really just more descriptions and press releases of of the things. They're not really, it's not really criticism anymore. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, right, right. He's like, uh, it gets too, it gets too, you know, it's like I think he said something like it gets a little too. De- Along the lines of it gets too dicey to be critical. Uh huh. Because he, I think he's just like, I'm old and white. I don't want to critique something and be like canceled for shitting on it. Uh, well, maybe I don't know. I mean, I've been reading little essays in his book, How to See. Mm-hmm. You know, just picking ones that strike my fancy on any given night or whatever. And he's like pretty upfront about critiquing people in those essays, even people that he knows. Yeah. So I, I don't know if in that interview he was necessarily trying to dance around anything I, he just seems like kind of a nice guy actually oh he has that like smug uh waspy air ar- around him but i genuinely think he's like not that interested in being mean or like critical for no reason and if the kids have a different like sensibility than he has he's like that's okay they're just over there doing that and i don't know what to say about it I, yeah i think that's the i don't know what to say about it yeah. through there he's like i know what i do yeah so i'm gonna do it the way that i do it i'm not gonna try old dog no new tricks right don't make me learn new tricks. I really don't care. Like, I think that's that's a valid place to be. Yeah, he seems to be, like, flying above the fray to some degree because he's, like, what? He's He's got the Stanley Whitney thing where he's, like, listen, I'm rich. I wear $1,000 socks. What do I care? I don't give a fuck. You know? Yeah. I, I think that's, that is kind of the prime motivation there. It's, like, do I want to get in, into their fray? No, I really couldn't give a shit. It's yeah. also so far below me. You... 30,000 dares. I don't care. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's it's like that with a lot of information now. It's sort of hard to get engaged with anything, right? Because 
all of the news is propaganda. And it's so transparently that that it's not even informational anymore. Like some articles will be like, why are you even reporting on this? You know, this yeah. isn't important. This isn't relevant to anybody's life. And then important things go unspoken about at all. Yeah. Except maybe on like a minor podcast circuit or whatever. And you hear about them that way. Well, but you... so whether it's art criticism or news or whatever, I, I feel like everybody is disengaged in an interesting way now where it's not apathy. It's just like, what what can I get? Where is the meat yeah. in my informational diet and there's none? To use it's the, so hard to find. To use the Wendy's commercial, where's the beef? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't. I hate bringing that up because it's hack as fuck. But I kind of like. I feel like we're due for a renaissance. Um, like I, w- I w- Do you know about the thing about the um, the Tyson factory reporting? Like there was recently an article in the Times that was just kind of like a fluff piece that was basically paid for by. Purdue or Tyson chicken company chicken people um where it's like this is how we got this many vaccines and this many workers and someone before that had spent like two months uh translating and working with people who worked in the factory and like getting like what was going on like how many people died like what was the actual labor condition and that's the story got killed and then when or got shelved and then she's like can i have the you didn't pay me so like i'm gonna go shop this around because she spent two months working on it and paying for translators just to be clear because i'm having a hard time following a little bit a a labor reporter was doing like an expose on poor working conditions at said chicken company yeah and the article never got published for whatever reason yeah because the company wanted to kill it uh, I think so. Um, well, and then sh- she started shopping it around to whom? To like the different Times other, and stuff? Div- d- no, different, no, it was written for the Times. Oh, okay. And then she's like, well, it was supposed to come out like three weeks ago. Like, what are we doing? Can I just shop this now that it's done? Like, it's done. I just want this out in the world. Like, I don't really care. And they're like, oh, we'll double your fee. She's like, okay, great. So when's it going to come out? And they're like, uh, next month. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? Because it's like, it's only $2,000. Uh-huh, right. You read an article for the Times that takes two months, you get two thousand. Yeah, it's usually like, paid by word count, and it's not very ooh, much per word. Ooh, very bad. Yeah. Very bad. Um, so then it gets fully killed, but no one at the Times responds, and then the the like puff the PR piece comes out, and she's like, "I guess I understand what happened to my piece, um, and I'm so glad that you didn't pay me for the work that I did, and then you just iced me for six months, like." Real cool guys. You guys are the paper of record. You're doing a great job. Just so at the end of the day, they could publish a fluff piece for uh-huh. Tyson or whatever. Because Tyson probably paid them. Interesting. So money. how did you find out about this? How did Twitter? Th- this lady went on Twitter and did like a multi-thread that got passed oh, around. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Among like writer people. Yeah. New York blog people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I forget where we started off at, but like, I'm not surprised to hear that. I mean, there's no, this is kind of what I mean when I'm talking about news in particular and where's the meat in the diet. That's what I mean. Yeah. Is labor reporting is like not a thing. I I don't think the New York Times just does not do that anymore, let alone like cable news, which is insane. They used to have entire like departments devoted to that as a beat. Yeah. But then the PMC won't pay for their paywall subscriptions and they'll get mad. Well, and also like, you know, maybe they, like in this case, they make more money by publishing fluff for corporations. They are not incentivized to do this in any respect. I mean, if you're and the readers of yeah. it don't want to hear it either because they don't have those type of jobs. It's not relevant to them. Yeah. So to them, all of those people are just chud Trump supporters and fuck them. <sighs> I mean, they're not. 
No, they're usually not. like I'm immigrant. not saying that. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm yeah. inhabiting the position of a wealthy liberal. Yeah, I mean, oh boy. I mean, but like, how can you be the paper of record and be like, I'll, "We'll take your your funny money just to kill a story," and then be like advertising on a podcast? I'd be like, "Please subscribe to the New York Times. People, readers like you, make us be able to do our in in depth field reporting." I'm like, "Do some bullshit, and you know it." Like, what? Listen, Mary. Like, that's not how that works. Like. You have shitloads of money. The Soulsberger dynasty is going to keep that shit pumping out forever. You're fine. Like, what? Like, don't try to make it seem like me trying to bypass a paywall with fucking Instapaper is what's killing the gray lady. Well, I mean, in some very real respect, it is. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't know how long they can ride on just family money. They do need to generate revenue somehow. You know, a big thing for newspapers was the classified ads. That oh. When that went away, they lost a lot of revenue that way and had to lean in more to advertising. And then, obviously, when the Internet really kills their subscription model, mm. that's a final knife in the back. And it's so much harder to find hookers. Well, yeah. Hmm. Got to go on uh, Craigslist? I don't know. Where do you find those? I don't know. Kick? What is Kick? Kick is like a sex work app, I think. I don't think that's like explicitly what it is, but that's effectively what it is. I don't like that you know what these things are, like this and Feeler. I don't, I don't like this. Fiverr? No, that's a that's a freelance app. Might as well be. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> you know what? If you could get a hand job on Fiverr, I would definitely do it. <laughs> I mean, five hands, five dollars, Fiverr. <laughs> Dollar per finger. What? What if you get like a little like forehand claw situation? Oh God! <laughs> You're like, ma'am, where's your pinky? I lost it in a skiing accident. And you're like, okay, all right. Yeah, so that's the state of the world. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, okay. I mean, well, no. <laughs> like when you, th I, I, I don't think of like the, I don't think of like the Times as a classifieds paper, um, because they have full page Sex with Avenue ads and you know, Bulgar, you know, like they have luxury that pays for that shit, you know. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I, I would imagine back in the day, I didn't read the New York Times in its paper version ever in my life, but I would imagine when that was primarily how it was circulated, there was a lot of classifieds in it because it's a local paper at the end of the day. You never were a precocious youth and bought a, a Sunday Times at the local Starbies in Ohio and was like, yes, I'm going to read this. And you opened one page and were like, fuck, this is too many words on one pa piece of paper. No, absolutely not. I mean, my only memory of the paper as a kid, I don't think I ever read it myself or very very rarely i just remember it being delivered and my dad kind of having it mm. and it kicking around the house being on the couch huh you know or him reading it on a sunday morning or whatever but it was not the new york times nobody read the new york times where i was from no no, no everyone no, read no, the no. plain dealer I or only... the akron beacon journal or whatever. oh yeah i only ever read the comics page yeah, I'm sure I read some comics, too. I don't really remember. It wasn't formative for me like it is for some people. Mm. I think the funnies are like a real locus of uh, humor sensibility for older generations. I mean, that's why I love puns, I think, maybe. There are a lot of puns in those because you only have, you get three shots. You get three panels or maybe one that, like, you know, swirls and scraggles around or something. If you have, like, a Calvin and Hobbes, like, sledding moment and it goes across all seven panels or whatever the bullshit is you're like wow you're like i guess actual comics were doing that forever before then but all right cool do your thing guys anywho
Anywho, yeah, sorry. I'm having a hard time focusing right now. I know. You're really killing my vibe. I'm, well, I'm sorry. I, I think I, our, our roles Roll have reversal? reversed oh. for the show. <laughs> uh, are, you, are you having the I am listening parade going through your head? Um, a little bit. I'm no. I'm. I maybe it's like that. I'm hearing the words and mm-hmm. I can't process them for some reason. Yes, I cannot I did that. put together like coherent uh, responses. No. Yeah, I yeah. did that last week. I had just the I had the words coming in and going like the little the little people at the desk in my you know in my brain. There's a, a row of desks and all the the copies of me that are processing information just were like, oh no, we're on break, not today. Yeah, I'm they were just shuffling those, those papers moments. around, and I was like, "Okay, great." It, can, I mean, this is—I don't know if it's an aging thing or a tired thing, but it does get hard to process information at certain. Like, I find myself now becoming a—if I have to do high-level thinking, gotta do it in the morning. I very much feel that way. Also, I think I operate pretty well until like two p.m., and then after that, it's really, really difficult. If I have to make decisions, it has to be either early in the morning. Or late at night when I've like had a chance to like stop for a moment and then just be like, okay, what's happening? And then roll fast. It happens real fast, but it's like if anyone gets me from like one to five and they're like, can you, did you, what do I, what do I do with this? I'm like, I really don't fucking know right now. I've made a billion decisions and I do not care about you. I don't, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to doing the podcast, I'm a, a, particularly ashamed right now because all week i was like we had a really bad episode last week we gotta get back on the horse here we gotta recover this and i was like listening to things or reading things and making mental notes of like oh this is you know if if i can find a lily pad i'll link it to this when we talk Uh or whatever and now that's just all gone what's a lily pad i'm speaking uh figuratively in in my head there's a series of lily pads and they link things together and you jump from lily pad to lily pad in conversation so So you might bring up a topic and i might be like oh that's really interesting it reminds me of this and i'm just incapable of doing that right now i'm stuck on the shore just looking at the sea of lily pads going like they all look the same i can't get from one to the other right now so i have a full secretary fleet in my head and you have frogs in your brain yeah okay i mean that frogs or scorpions i don't know could be either or for you frog and scorpion jump in the lily pad lily pad Right, doesn't the scorpion kill the frog? Of course, it's in his nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the scorpion's killing all my frogs. My pond is infested with scorpions. <laughs> right now. No, but you know you what? I, call someone. Um, you know what? I just learned right before we started recording. You know how we joke about the mind palace all the time? Uh-huh. Did you know that that's an actual technique for competitive memory people? Excuse. Wait, hold. Let's just back up. Competitive memory people. Yeah, there are competitions and like world records set for memorization. Like the most prominent one I can think of is memorizing digits of pi. You know, people that will like can go like three point one four seven, blah 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 blah. And I think the record for that is like three binders worth of digits. Somebody memorized pi for like a hundred thousand digits or whatever. So here's the thing: those people might be, you know, plugged into spectrum. I'm I'm sure they are, but my point was just to say that invented in the Renaissance was the mind palace. Okay. You, we're talking about things we construct in our heads to as mental models for how to interact or how to remember things. So in the Renaissance, they invented the idea of you literally create like a castle or a building in your head and in separate rooms are kept separate memories. 
And apparently this is a really well-established and effective technique for learning to remember. You create rooms in a building in your mind and store things in them. So it's interesting hearing you talk about your secretarial pool or like my pond of frogs because I, you know, inadvertently I've ended up doing that over the years. Yeah. This is why like remembering exhibitions is like places of things and exhibitions is easy for me because I'm like, I can picture the room very quickly. Mm -hmm. It Like I have a very specific kind of like space layout. If someone tells me like, remember that time? I'm like, if it was outside, I 100% couldn't tell you what happened. So sorry. It was in a room. Okay, what what was in the room? Okay, gotcha. I'll I'll take you. I'll take you there. There must be something about linking space to the non-linearity of memory that helps. You put in stuff in bo- literal boxes. Yeah, but it helps if they you know go into the the mind grid of like the filing cabinets. Right. I don't know. I I I'm curious about exploring that like i would like to actually try this actively you ever watch uh sherlock with benedict uh i've been exposed to this i've never like sat down and watched an entire episode but i have seen scenes where he like rattles off a chain of what is it like deductive reasoning yeah he goes to his mind palace all the time yeah it's like, and then he meets his match one day where this guy has a mind palace, but it's just a white empty room and it's a ruse. And he's like, I've been, I've been had, um, this guy's a moron and I'm smarter than, and you're like, okay, whatever. Like, uh. um, but I don't know. I don't know if there's a way to actively do that. Like to do the, you know, click in and be like, I am actively putting this memory in box and then putting it on shelf. I think you do have to do that. I mean, it's just a question of effort. Like, I do try to do that, but I don't have a well enough worked out mental image to actually preserve anything. Hmm. But there's definitely times when I'm listening to a podcast or when I'm reading something and I'm like, I want to remember this. Like, either this is an interesting fact or, you know, line of reasoning or whatever. Like, and I will sit there and like focus on it for a second. For me, it helps to just repeat it. Like, if I hear something on on a podcast, I'll like pause it. Okay. And just think about what they just said and replay it in my mind three or four times and it digs itself in. Were you a good studier in school? I never had to. Mm-hmm. I, studying never made any sense to me. I never, I never understood why that was necessary. If I was interested enough in the subject matter, I would do the homework and that was enough to make it sort of intuitive. To make it stick. Yeah. Well, because if you're like rewriting it or something like that, that usually, you know, the motor skill of that, like you're seeing and you're thinking it. So that's like, you know, it's literal inscription in your brain. Yeah. Um, The only subject I remember having to actively study for was math because I was the worst at it. But math study wasn't interesting to me and I don't think I had good habits surrounding it. Math is like baseball. You have to practice. It was just practicing. It didn't feel like studying. Mm-hmm. no because like this is why like i'm always bad with like history because i'm like dates couldn't tell you again couldn't tell you when things are that might just be a mistake of our education system like emphasizing history as discrete facts like mm-hmm. for whatever reason it was probably just because i watched a lot of the history channel so i had like an interest in this stuff in a visual sensorial way long before school ever tried to get me to remember dates but i always connected 
history with like the substance of what was going on. You need to remember the narrative thread. It's not important that you know yeah. that the Civil War was from 1860 to 1865. If you generally know that it was in the middle of the 19th century, that can be enough to place it accurately to get the like essence or the content of w- what's interesting or relevant about it. Right. Yeah, I can always do things in brackets. Like, oh, no, that's between this and this. Or mostly with paintings. I'm like, oh, that was before that one. How do you know? I don't, but I'm pretty sure it is. I'm usually right. Yeah, normally that's enough. I mean, especially the farther back you get in history, that's fine. When you don't have like a... When you don't have a need to get granular about events, like I yeah. think, I think it behooves any normal person to know the history of the 19th and 20th centuries on a pretty detailed level to the point where you know years. That's you don't need to know here. months yeah. and dates, but like you should probably know a little bit about every year from 1800 to the present day. Well, yeah, because we have modernism. And also French Revolution, it's the American found, Civil yeah, War. It's like the foundation a lot of, stuff. Of, of this reality. Yeah. Somebody that was living in the 14th century is so disconnected. Yeah, no. That remembering that something happened in 1492, whatever, you know, Christopher Columbus. It's not, that's not that important. You know that it happened somewhere between 1450 and 1600. You're... He sailed the ocean blue, yeah. brought smallpox blankets, and then Roanoke. That's how American history works, right? Uh, Jamestown. I mean, the the early history of it, I guess. It's fine. I fucking know. When Cortez comes. Look, I don't know. James Corden comes. I don't know the chronology of the Age of Exploration very well. Oh, I have no fucking idea. Is that bad? uh, No, not really. It kind of is. I mean, mean, if you get the gist of it, if you get from like, you know, from 1400 to 1700, there was a lot of like mercantile colonial expansion to the New World. I mean, if you know that. Yeah, that's an that's enough. And Lewis and Clark was uh, 1830s, 1840s. Uh, Lewis and Clark, yeah, somewhere in that range. I th- I think it was maybe even a little earlier than that, actually. But that was the War of 1812. You can't go traipsing through the West with the war raging around you, with the Canadian fur trappers trying to shoot you. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I I, I can't say. You know, I don't know all of these things on yeah. a detailed level. It's just you know, yeah. Lewis and Clark at some point in the early 19th century, they did some exploring and. Met up with Sacagawea and mapped a bunch of shit. Oh, you know? the coin lady. Yeah, that's where the coin lady comes from. Huh. <laughs> she was their guide. I thought that was Pocahontas. Okay, I I don't know America. No, see, Pocahontas was an East Coast bitch. Oh, yeah, her and John Smith. Yeah. Before he wrote the Mormon Bible. Uh, different guy. But still named John Smith. I don't think so. I forget, who the, I forget the Mormon's name. Joseph Smith was the Mormon guy. All white people look the same to me. I don't know what to tell you. On paper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make very dumb things just to keep you keep you on your toes. I'm going to I'm going to say the dumbest shit that may ever fly out of my mouth and I'm fully okay with that. I I I again, the more I age, the more I'm more and more comfortable just making an ass out of myself for being stupid. And I think it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I whatever. Like, I wish I had siblings because I'd be a really good, like, gunkle. I hate that word. Um, what does that mean? Gay uncle. Oh, okay. I would just, like, make stupid jokes to them. And they'd be like, you're weird and funny. I'm like, and bald. You forgot that, you little fucker. <laughs> like, you know, keeps the children entertained. They're like, ooh, that's cringy. And I'm like, yes, I know. You'd be surprised how hard it is to entertain children with adult humor. They don't have the same sense. I think like... you might just come off as mean to them. Sometimes they think that's funny, though. 
If you're mean to a child, sometimes, or but you got to be really careful. They can slide very easily into I don't understand, and now it's scaring me. Well, you can't call them cunts. I mean, you know, like go tell mommy the new word you you learned. <laughs> go tell him. Yeah, try that with a relative. See how it goes. Uncle says that. I'm a c- <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be f- that would be terrible. No, you can't can't be the one to teach kids bad words. That's their parents' jobs or their grandparents' jobs. Yeah, it's their closer family's job, for sure. You teach them how to do shots when they turn 21. You're like, come here. Here you go. Have a martini. And they're like, what? <laughs> oh. Speaking of, I, I fucked mine up. I've really done an oopsies on this one. On your martini? Yeah. I. Uh, how can you go wrong? I don't understand. So I, I did a little, like, little couple drops of... Uh, vermouth and then threw it out of the glass and then not paying attention i put you know when i was going to pour the the gin i just poured a whole you know shot full of vermouth in it and then didn't rinse i like threw it out obviously but i didn't rinse it so now there's like a little extra vermouth on the back end which i it's disgusting oh well what are you gonna do you can't win them all you can't be picky about a homemade drink you can i mean granted so much better when someone else makes it for you absolutely yeah is that the case with all things in life sandwiches are the prime example of this like if someone else makes me a sandwich i'm like this is a great sandwich if i have to make it myself i'm like this is decent but unsatisfying uh i don't know it depends it depends when especially you're just talking about food items right food or drink Eh, anything like if someone else does something for me i'm like this is the greatest thing that's ever happened someone else brings me a cafe a cafe coffee taffy um i go greatest coffee i've ever had because i didn't have to walk and go get it yeah that's true granted i do a lot of you fly i buy right gets tastes a little less good you know there's no surprise treat involved i don't know see uh, the thing that's tripping me up here is i keep thinking about takeout delivery food that's always worse We've talked about this many times you've also you've also done the work of acquiring it and scrolling for about an hour and 45 to find it after you look to find your frozen salmon and find that it has not been, <laughs> it has gone missing. Well, sometimes there's complications. <laughs> and then you go, guess I'm ordering a burrito. But like, again, you've made, you've, anytime you're involved in the decision-making process, I've been thinking, this has been my main thought pyramid this week is anytime you're involved in the decision-making process the end result even though it might be like great grand whatever you're just like yeah but i did that and i made all those decisions it's like whatever i don't even fucking care see that's weird i have an opposite attitude towards that i like being involved in the decision-making process and i feel a sense of like pride at the end of that usually even if it's something small i mean exerting a level of control over what you're doing and then succeeding yeah. And your goal feels good. But when you do it it's a lot. It's called discipline. Yeah, but when you do it a lot, you're just like, I just made another set of decisions for someone else. How grand. And then you just go, okay, next. Can you give me a hard one? Like, you get a little like, it's like puzzles. Like, sometimes the puzzle pieces are too big and you're like, this is too easy. I want those little little, little shits and all one color. Give me a gray puzzle. Yeah, I, I feel you. I mean... I always want a more complicated puzzle to come along. It's just more novel and intriguing to have to make your brain gears turn a little harder to figure out something. But I have a very 
or I'm trying to cultivate like a very Japanese attitude towards small problems. Like in my job, I have to make the same type of box many times a day, right? Mm -hmm. A slip case. Like I've done it thousands of times in my life, Mm -hmm. but every time I do it, I always try to do it better than the last one. Yeah. And it's very subtle things at this point. Like, can you score the cardboard a better way? Can you make the measurement tolerance even smaller than you normally do? Mm -hmm. So if normally the tolerance is an eighth, I'll try to do it to a 32nd. Let's see if I can be that precise. You know, and so you take all these little things and it makes every unique experience. Basically, what I'm saying is it makes the monotony of a day much more tolerable if you get really focused and into the small decision tree that you're confronted with the small repetitive decisions the more you can fixate on them and figure out how do you make each one better like you know a japanese zen garden it at the end of the day it looks like they didn't do very much but it was just extremely precise correct yes and dedicated focus to get a very simple result i think you can do that with a lot of decision-making processes in your life yeah but i i usually find myself like in one of those giant like zen gardens where they have to get the big rake out and you got to like hop on the little rocks or whatever get the big the big long stick and do the the stripes and i'm like god it's so it took so many decisions to get or so many steps to get to i need the 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 27 foot rake or whatever just to make this happen and you're like Ugh. yeah and but- then the end result you're just like I don't even care. Like it looks like nothing and that's fine. Well, yeah. I mean that, but that's all about your attitude. The scale of the project doesn't really matter Mm. because all you're really talking about is different tools at that point and different materials at that point, whether it's, you know, human capital materials or whether it's wood and cardboard. Yeah. You just, you know, at a different scale, you're just talking about like a different technique, but your attitude towards it, is the only thing that matters. And having the attitude that this is the umpteenth time I've done this, the result is going to be what it's going to be, is going to lead to a shoddy project, uh, pro- mm. um, product, even if it's a completely acceptable one. Mm-hmm. It's not as good as it could be. And I mean, yeah. this is just, uh, I can't emphasize enough that this is just totally, in my opinion, a coping mechanism to get around, you know, the monotony of a wage slave job. Mm. Oh, yeah. That, that I mean, that's not really... Yeah, I mean, I'm even t- I'm talking about even like special projects that I that I get to do that I'm like, okay, it's another one. Okay, crack the hands. What's this gonna look like? Okay, just gonna like how do my thing is always how do you make it the simplest thing that it can be to make something idiot proof? Like my you know my goal is always find think of the dumbest person you've ever met. And whatever you're doing, if you're building like a direction set or whatever, how do you make it so even they could follow it? Like lowest common denominator always. Because that's a good, you know, that's like a teaching thing too. Of like, how do you make it simple? But, you know, expecting, expecting that they'll be able to figure out, but also maybe a little challenge too. Um, Yeah. Also honing that is extraordinarily difficult. Like earlier when we were talking about our own thought constructions, that's yourself, and it's hard yeah. enough to get a self-constructed framework in which you can accurately like remember and convey things articulately, let alone reverse engineering that for someone that doesn't have the same level of knowledge that you have or the same subjective experience that you have. 
You yeah. do have to be really precise in your reduction. You have to That's like hard. Yeah, you have to reduce it, but also show that there's finesse in the way that this was done. You know, and also in, even though in the way it's packaged, if you get a little too twid, like if you twiddle a little too much, pe- that confuses people. They're like, "But I have to do it that way." And you're like. No, I'm just showing off. Right. And we have to delete the showing off because that's just going to confuse the people. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I had a situation yesterday at work where someone asked me if I needed help because it was a large object that I was packaging. And the truth was, in the most immediate sense, I did need help because it was too big for me to handle on my own. Yeah. But I declined the help. And when they asked me why, because it was obvious I couldn't move this thing on my own, I was like, listen... Sometimes it's just harder to convey to another person what needs to happen. So even this is even though this is going to be in one sense more difficult for me, if you help me, it's going to take twice as long and get done uh 70% as well because I'm going to have to teach you the entire time when I need to focus on how to do this right now. Right. So thank yeah. you but no thank you. Yeah. And it's confusing to people because it's like, well, we could just make a good enough box. And I'm like, no, no I'm going to make the correct one. And having to teach you what that means at the same time that we need to execute it is too much. Well, you're also checking the work. Yeah. I don't trust other people's workmanship. I, mean, I just yeah. don't. Yeah. Um, no, I understand that because it's like, oh, can you show me how to do that? I'm like, I could. It'll take you three times as long. I don't really feel like doing that uh, and right frankly. now is not necessarily a teachable moment maybe another day when it's not necessary that this get done right now mm, we can have yeah. this conversation but so i only raise that illustration to say that i sympathize with you because having to do that as a job like as a manager that is kind of what you have to do is convey these teaching lessons all the time whether you like it or not because at the end of the day you must delegate there is no choice at, i mean some of the best people i've ever had as bosses are like okay we're gonna go show them how to do this and i'm like we don't have time for that they're like it's also a test and i'm like oh right because like at the end of the day it's like let's go let's go show them how to do it just kind of keep an eye on it and then when they inevitably start fucking up we just swoop in and go okay so this okay i see what you're doing no that's wrong let me show you why you're wrong do you see what this does and you can kind of you know unfuck it yeah um but sometimes you're like i don't have the energy to walk you through how fuck that is and how how to unfuck it like because like now i'm just frustrated like it it helps if you have two people doing it to going we're gonna tell you and then just like okay if you have to step in i'll go do the okay you can divide and conquer of like i'll keep an eye on it you keep an eye on it and then I'm going to go step in. You're going to go do this. Like you can kind of figure it out because the timing is critical. You can't unfuck, unfuck something if it's gone on too long in the wrong direction. If it's gone on for like two hours and you're like, what is going on? Okay. This is going to take me three hours to unfuck now. Well, you've just accidentally stumbled upon a whole new problem set. Not the one that you intended to establish and teach, but a brand new one that was created by lack of supervision. Yeah. You're like, oh, we let the kids play with the fucking And now they're not going to learn the original lesson. They're going to learn something else about how to unfuck a completely unique situation of their own design. It it 
you, do you understand is, what I'm yeah, saying? And that's a, that's a self-perpetuation machine. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Forget Be- everything you did here. This was all wrong. Because none of the subsequent fr- frameworks after something has been fucked up are ever relevant again. No. They're just unique fucked up situations when what you need to learn is the fundamental original situation of this is how it's done properly. And it's also just yeah. usually just absurd. Yeah. The choices become absurd and you're like, how the fuck did you get there? That's what I mean when I say unique. Like, you're never going to encounter this again because you made so many absurd decisions in the meantime that now it's just a monstrosity. Yeah. It's not disorganization. It's somehow even worse than that. It's somehow a dumpster fire, to use the, you know, overused word. You're just like, how did you pour gas? Where did you get gasoline to put on this fire? We gave you a small fire and a fucking fire hose. And you turned off the water, hooked up the fire hose to an oil tanker, and just went to town. Yeah, and you're you like, Deepwater Horizon. <laughs> it's like, whoa, how did you do? Like, you, it's kind of marvelous. You're just like, wow, I didn't think anyone could do that. I'm yeah, just, uh, yeah. I mean, good goddamn. Like, huh. I didn't think someone could just like house of cards this so hard, but you did it. Right. You built your own? And you knocked it down. Yeah. And somehow, instead of 52 cards, 54 cards, how many cards? 52 in a deck. I don't know. Uh, you have 106 cards. Where did you get these extra? this extra set of cards and three? Oh, boy. Yeah. Now, that's a lot of permutations to unfuck. It's, it's, pretty, it's usually pretty easy to unfuck when you're like, but time suck then leads to the tired problem that you are experiencing where you're like, I don't know. I, I can't like, I can't, I have the fog now because I've spent extra effort, like manual effort on something that was something I didn't have to think about. Now I have to think about it and do the labor. Yeah. Right. And now I'm very tired. Right. You've both exhausted my physical body and my decision-making bodies, my frogs and my stenographer pool Yeah, yeah. are now <laughs> all tapped out. Yeah, that's right. They've got that two thirty feeling and they are n- they're going on a walk. Right. They might not come back after lunch. They're having a three martini and they're, they're checked out. They're going to pen and pencil. They're going to piss their pants, go home. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I definitely had one of those days today. It was the after lunch thing of just like, I need to go home. Like, if I could be really honest in this situation, I would just walk up to my boss and be like, listen, I, I'm tapped, man. I think I should just leave. Honestly, that would be better for everyone. <laughs> you know <laughs> that's why i ran out of the i ran, i mean you know my goal was to run out at 4 30 that didn't happen but you know i just like got to a point where i'm like i i just started taking off all my my bullshit of like little magnetic badge walkie i'm like i'm like who's gonna take care of this person because they're taking too long and i don't have it in me i'm gonna try and get this done but like i someone just everybody everybody go 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 out there i, I i'm no Tap tap me out. Yeah, no, I, I I did a tap out today around 3 p.m. I never do this, by the way. I went and just sat at my desk. Even though there was other stuff going on, I just went and sat in my de- at my desk and just started, like, link surfing on Wikipedia because I was like, I need to be out of the zone and in a different zone right now. And I know it's the middle of the day, 3 p.m. There's a lot of trucks coming in and out. We're busy. Shit's happening. But, like, I cannot deal. That's and I'm gonna just go deal with a different kind of mind puzzle, yeah, for a while, 
Yeah. And maybe I'll come back. Yeah, you get a little tapped. I mean, <laughs> you know? getting tapped out, this is when I usually take a, I need to take a walk break, which usually means I'm stepping outside. I'm going to go smoke and sc- you know, scroll on the computadora in my pocket, you know? Like, let me take a look. Let me take a little gander at the internet to remind myself that there's a life outside of this hell. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And then I go, okay, I'm ready. And they're like, how are you energized? I'm like, I was out of here. You all suck the life out of me like vampires. Which, you know, I I think this is like the case not only in a work life, because I don't want to just relegate it to like working, but it is any time that, you know, you are doing anything, any set of decisions that, you know, you have to live with. So like, you know, like, you take me to an Ikea, I'm taking a nap afterwards. I've made a lot of decisions, covered a lot of ground, done a lot of judging for stupid, for $2 things. I'm like, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Like, the levers, you're just like, you're backhoeing back and forth. And because you're like, eh, I'm going to have to live with this, you know, whether I spend money, if I don't spend the money, if I have to live with this stupidly short fucking table runner that's not even a runner, it's a ran. Um, like, you know, th- things then become a problem, you know, or decisions become a problem. And then you go, got to take a nap or take or step outside. But if sure. you've already been stepping outside through the whole process, you're like, nap time. You got to do this. <laughs> the full the, shutdown. You got to do the, the soft reset. The spinning wheel of death is happening, and it's turn time it off, to turn it turn on it again. Off and yeah, turn it back I, again. it's the only way. Yeah, and I think that's that's fine. I mean, I'm sure there are people who like meditate, who are like, yeah, I just breathe real deep. I'm like, I don't have fucking time for that. Well, people have different strategies for this. Regardless, like we were making a lot of fun a couple episodes ago of my Amazon orders or whatever. But oh part of this is that I don't like this decision fatigue. So I structure my life in a way that allows me to avoid it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Rather than have a have good sense and good taste and good judgment when it comes to home goods and clothing, I'm like, I'm canceling that aspect of my life. Oh. I'm just not going to do that part. It's fun up until a certain point. Well, I, I'm not saying that this is a good quality of mine. It, it definitely probably has negative knock-on effects, for sure. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying that I notice it as a coping strategy in the same sense that napping is a coping strategy for making a lot of decisions throughout your day, right? Yeah. I love a soft reset. Everybody figures out a way around that, whether it's meditation, whether it's napping, whether it's shopping on the internet instead of in a store. Yeah. It's all of uh, of a piece. It's a version. Or you take a zanny. There's some people... Drugs. I I mean, this is another way. This is the kind of thing where it's like, this is... I kind of don't understand where it's like when people are like, I'm easily overwhelmed. I'm like, by what? What is so hard? I don't know. I've never been so overwhelmed where I'm like, I'd rather be doing that same thing, but also medicated. I'd rather just call it tap out and just be like, I'm going to go medicate myself right now. Papa's got a bottle of gin to take to the dome. Right. Like we're done here. I'm uh, I'm tired. We've made enough decisions. I'm not working tomorrow. We're done. I'm done. Sorry. Um, I'm not going to continue to do that process and be like, I'll just take a pill and surf through it. I'm like, oh, I could never. Yeah, I don't know how to address. I'm not. I'm more like you than I am like this hypothetical person, where there's compartments in my life where the self medication happens. 
you know, I'm not, I don't drink at work. Yeah. I don't smoke weed on the subway on the way to work. I know people that do this. You know know what I mean? Like, so for me, like, it makes a lot more sense to just have areas of your life where the responsibility totally ceases. Yeah. And now you're coping. Or not even coping. You're just like, we're done with that. Like, this is why when people are like, I have trouble with boundaries. I'm like, yeah, me too. But also like, I don't know. Like, I sent an email today. I was like, hi, I need a call. It has happened before six. I'm done after six. Don't even talk to me. Don't even try. I'm done. I'm very done. I'm not doing shit. Don't try it. This was to my boss. I'm like, I'm free from, I have a three hour window. Let me know when you have time for a call. That actually worked. He's like, 15 minutes later, I get a call. I'm like, great. We're getting it done early. Yeah. You have to establish those type of things. I mean, I think people that say that they have trouble with boundaries or whatever really have a problem with confrontation. Or being direct. Yeah, which is another way of saying confrontation. Because yeah. you do, you're do, you confronting at the, not getting the answer that you want. But you have to be willing to set that situation up in a way that's frank. Well, you're being directive. I don't think that's being frank. You're just being like, the, this is the parameters of which I can do this. This is a conversation that we just have to have real quick. You're going to have me for 15. We're going to talk for 15 minutes. I'll be watered as a person. Sure, the tone can be whatever you want, but I would still insist that that is being frank, direct, confrontational, oh. which yeah. is fine. I'm not using that as a pejorative. I'm actually trying to say that I think healthier people are fine with confrontation. That's a big part of life that leads people to down a you know, twister of avoidance, yeah, which is the worst thing you can Ugh. do, which is where like someone that's a stoner, for example, that's like, I need to be high all the time to do anything. You're just avoiding everything. You're not creating yeah. an area of your life where avoidance is acceptable because your responsibility is limited. Mm. Like right now, it's the middle of the night on a Thursday. Yeah. The chances are pretty slight that either you or I are going to get something really important happening to us right now. So it's okay to abandon your faculties for a while and you know switch off yeah doing that all day is not good no granted like when i was it's okay to be avoidant right now because the chances of confrontation are minimal but in your everyday life the the chances of confrontation or an instance where you need to be direct are quite frequent it doesn't even have to be at work and high stakes situations it can be on the subway like hey guy you need to move i'm trying to get off yeah a lot of people will just stand there and let the door close Oh, no. I, I just go, move. Yeah. Or like if you're, you know, driving and then you're like, oh, wow, it looks like it's closed up ahead. I, should I just drive up to it and then have to figure out a way around? I'm like, no, I'm just going to go around the other way. Like, I think a, lo- a lot of people also, I don't know if this is a lot of people, but I do think like, I'm just thinking of people that we know, like the, not all, not all, got to say, not all. Some people are just a little bit like more inclined, and especially yeah more so people that i know but like just very inclined to just be like i won't say anything i'll just simmer about it and then i'm gonna just unload later i'm like okay but do you see how that didn't do anything except make you mad make you uncomfortable when you could have just been decisive and just handled it absolutely and then you're as the friend that's receiving the venting, you're like, now you're wasting my time. If you're friends with the person, you're generous about it. And yeah. You more or less accept it. But the more often that happens in friendships, the more taxing it is on everyone around yeah. you. You don't understand that you're 
actually just spreading the cost of a very simple problem around to into other the people. world yeah. more. So you don't have to deal with yeah. it ever. It's which very is also, selfish. Uh, no, it's a, a perpetual annoyance or perpetual avoidance machine. Title yeah. of up. Fine. Um, but like, uh, you know, I do this to you. I'm like, do you mind if I scream at you for approximately four minutes and 32 seconds? I think both you and I have this relationship with each other, and it's always better when it's asked asked for. Yeah. Like, if I'm sitting around drinking, watching YouTube, and then I start babbling at you, it's annoying. If you do that to me, you sense that I'm annoyed by it. Like, yes. We, we have established this. Yeah. It's way better to just say, listen, I know this is annoying, but I have to right now. Yeah. And then you're going to get the person in the right zone, and you also don't overuse that request. Yes. it's It literally is the... I'm sorry, I'm at, I'm at, I'm over my bandwidth right now. Please reach out to someone else for your. And it's like you don't have to be an asshole about it. Like I, I read that shit, and I'm always like, you're a bad friend. Empathy templates. Quite, yeah. quite frankly, you're a bad friend. You just be like, hey, like yeah, give me like five minutes to get in the right brain space to like hear you, bitch. But like, how long is this gonna go? I have five minutes for you. And if you lead up with the, do you mind if I do this for approximately five minutes? You don't have to say anything. I just need to sell, tell this at someone because it's inside of me and I have to get it out so I can move on to the rest of my day. You know, like one of the stenographers is on hold. And right. She's pissed. So mad. All the stenographers in my brain also have different wigs on. <laughs> of course they do. Because they're all bald. So they all have different <laughs> wigs. Why are they bald? Because they they're all, me. They all have cancer? Oh. They're all me, but they're on different <laughs> wigs. Um, That's quite a drag show. That's a horror. They're all wearing button downs and ties, <laughs> so it's very confusing to everyone, um, including me. I don't understand what's going on up there. Um, but, you know, I, I do think, like, even, like, proposing the ask with a time limit is also, like, nice of, like, give me, like, two minutes. I just need two minutes to just scream into the ether. Again, you need a screaming closet. Sometimes that, that's a person. You're Parameters like, are always good. Like, part of directness should be having brevity. Yeah. And part of that is establishing boundaries, not in this wishy-washy, soft, emotional way, but in a very literal sense of like, this is how much I'm going to give you. Also, if you are the kind of person who complains but does it the long way, you're just frustrated about more than just your current frustration. For sure. Which no one can help you with. Even a therapist is going to be like, I really don't fucking care. Why are you telling me? Maybe the well, uh, no. What know. a th- what a therapist is paid to do is listen to you ramble on like that. But that's when you're like, you don't need a friend. You need someone with a tell you that yeah. you're projecting or whatever. Yeah. yeah, like that's the part where I'm always like, do I need to go? And I'm like, I'm pretty good at drawing those boundaries of when I need to like talk at someone. You, unfortunately, for you, not for me. Yeah, um, but know, I also well, just like you know, you know, I my I've advanced this idea many times on the podcast but my basic sense of therapy is that it's more or less a scam (laughs) that if you have healthy relationships with the people around you you can pretty much go without it but the one thing i will say is that there are areas that you can talk about with a therapist in an unimpeded way that you can't talk about with anybody else because part of being frank and drawing boundaries with your friends and family is that there are no-go zones and you wouldn't really yeah, you huh. would you would probably discover if you talked to a professional that you had more of those than you thought. 
I can think of one right now that we joked about the other night because you got a certain package in the mail, and I was like, what was that that you got? And you were like, just some stuff. And I won't out you for what it oh, was. Oh, it was lube. It was so... Okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. So I open it, and I go, did they double my order? I pulled out five different bottles of goose, and I was confused. I was like, let me look at what I was charged here on this day. <laughs> Because this is five different goo bottles. Somebody had one too many martinis and made an order at two thirty. No, 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 no. I realized what happened. What what happened was, um, when you advertise a certain volume of liquid and then you get sent a bunch of like two small bottles that equal the one full volume that oh, you. I was I like, see. oh, we ran out because the gays have to take their lube on airplanes, so it has to be below the two. I I understand. Got it. I'm not flying anywhere, but how nice. <laughs> well, clearly you're not ashamed of this at all. Nor I'm, sh- nor, I'm, nor I'm ashamed that it's an internet company that I fell for on Instagram, and I'm like, it's actually pretty good, so I just ordered that. And I also have the shame of going to a CVS and oh going, hi, can you unlock that for my sex things? You know. That's great, man. Hey, no shade, no lemonade, you know? My only point with this was not to shame you for this incident or for you to even talk about oh, it I for two minutes, but uh, was just to say that like the way that you constructed that when we when it was brought up was interesting. You alluded to a no no go zone, is what I'm saying. That eh, the lube I, itself is not the <laughs> no go zone. It was just like I was like, oh. well, I also like. The reason I prodded you about it is because you so rarely ever don't answer the question that, <laughs> then, I, that then I know something is up. Uh, yeah, you'd well, be surprised the cavities of your psyche like that. That if exists, it was a gift, you know? I would have not been honest. I would have been like, "Oh, I don't. Know. I just ordered some books." I would have lied. I would have tried to lie. Yeah, I think I would have been able to pick up on it too. Yeah, I know. I'm a terrible liar. Yeah, it's really bad. You are a bad liar. It's so. Ugh, it's disgusting. I'm a good avoider. No, not even that. I not miss. really. You can't help it. I mean, you I just spewed out your own secret without being prompted to. It's not even. I again, homosexuals need it. Um, everybody needs it. Okay, uh, listen, um, man. Some well, anyway. <laughs> oh, there's your no go zone. Um, <laughs> wow, that's title of up. No go zone. <laughs> no go zone. Um, yeah, you're in your own no go zone, but I don't know if you want to talk about that. Oh no, that's been that's been uh, rectified. <laughs> <laughs> puns, puns about pooping. Oh boy, oh god. You know, I think getting old is a, a series of like terrible things that you have to like deal with with your body. And I'm very uninterested in having a body, so it's really fucking terrible. Mm, yeah, just upload us into silicon, you know. When are we going to get it over with? I'm having all sorts of skin problems, and it's bu- bumming me out. That's because we live in a hot box. I know. I go from a dusty, air-conditioned environment to a polluted city environment to a hot box. That's and also polluted because all the windows have to be open? All in order of these to things make it are destroying my, my body and my skin. Well, did you ever have you ever thought about getting like a full like body massage with like a mask, like a mud bath? No, I probably should do that, honestly. I don't know if they... Do they do those anymore? Mud baths? Or is that a fake thing? No, nah, probably. I mean, there's probably spas for that. Huh. I'm not sure if it's effective or not. Yeah, I think it is. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> You're just assuming. Yeah. Okay. I've been told by the media. 
I've been told by one episode of Gilmore Girls where they go into a mud bath. I don't know. Hmm. Is there screenshots of this? Yeah, there's Lauren Graham in a tub and uh, what's what's her name? Kelly Bishop. Hmm. I might need to borrow some of your package. <sighs> Absolutely not. <laughs> my 50 bottles of goo are all for me. <laughs> me and my <laughs> unknown gentleman callers. The tomb of the unknown gentleman caller. Oh, boy. 